We finally here. It's the Veal Radio Show. Yo, what's going on? It's the Veal Radio Show. You're now rocking with the blessed, the blessed villains. What I mean by that is we're villains saved by grace and we're now blessed because God loves on and took the wrath of you know, rotten people and put it on his son, Jesus, and now we walk around in the favor of God. Theology. So we bless. You understand what I'm saying? You rocking with the bless. This is Jay Giuliani. He's got my man, Shirk Dog. Hit him, Shirk Dog. Shirk Dog. Dog. My, yeah, the boy was going too crazy. He What's up? Too much Snoop Dog. And then my man, Philly Illies, is in the building, too. You already know what it is. It's the impeccable, the, uh... Well, give me another word, another big word. What does impeccable mean? I don't know. Yeah, I just said I felt, felt, I felt like extraordinary. There you go. I felt like it was just like something that describes me. This your boy, Big Phil. You know what it is? Yes. Yes, sir. Baby. I need everybody out there to pray for humility, for Phil or whatever. You know what I'm saying? His whole music career is going to his head or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But he preaching the gospel. We praying for him. Yes, sir. Hey, so we got Philly Illies in the building, Shirt Dog, J. Julio's, and we got two guests in the building with us because we have a really important topic. You know what I'm saying? We're going to get into it or whatever, but I'll get to that in a second. Introduce yourselves. Mm. Ladies Thanks, first. Up. I feel proud about this one. Ladies right first. Hey, everybody. Um... I'm Shan, Miss Daisy. To most, I'm Big Phil's sister. That is the only reason that got me on this show. Come on, somebody. Um, I do have a podcast myself, Miss Daisy, so I guess I got some stuff to talk about. Hey, we've been trying to. Hey, Miss Daisy. She said she tried to plug that. Her plug oh, hold on, hold on. Which is more popular, your podcast or Phil's music career? This boy's starting early. He's starting fights, though. already, boy. Well, Sibling rivalry. In, oh, in, the, in keeping um, our genes close together and that lack of humility that we share, I'm going to say my podcast, um, but I just started. So, I mean, that's just, you know, versus how long he's been doing it versus how long I've been doing it. Technically, right, right. I'm a little bit more popular. Okay. Her podcast is definitely a lot more popular than my music. Because uh, my music is not popular. My music is embedded in the souls of every African and Caucasian American. <laughs> that so, is absolutely right. And my podcast is, is really, so there's really no, there's black. There's no popularity in my mind. When you wake up, it's a part of tradition and culture. So there's no need for it to be popular. Wow. Again, well, pray for him. humility for our friend Big for Phil. For our friend Big <laughs> Phil. All right, and we got another guest with us. What up, what up, what up? It's uh, Neek Smith. My name is Dominique Smith. I just made it sound cool. Uh, yeah. And now I'm a high school program director for Second Mile Ministries. Shout out to the whole crew. Shout out to Second Mile, my man, Jonathan Blackburn. That's cool. Everybody, all those people over there, we love all of y'all. Hey, um, so listen, man, you know, we're doing a show today. We're going to be talking about a really big topic. Here's the thing, right? You know, we got two guests. Both of our guests are black millennials, right? We were supposed to have a white person with us, but here's the dilemma. Me and Phil did our job, right? Mm, so yeah. we, we had a staff meeting yesterday, and we said we we're going to bring on three guests, yep. right? So me and Phil all go get, we get a black person a piece. Jeremy Shirky was supposed to get the white person and didn't do his job. And then he comes in the day like, yo, you didn't say I was supposed to do it. You should have known that the white person was supposed to get the white person. We always do. We don't. That's, That's my bad. That's my That's bad. That's the whole point of Is that wrong? Are we in sin for this? I don't know. I was looking for an Asian person, but I couldn't find one. So I respect that. I respect you know, I'm, t- I'm over white people, and they oh, just gotta stop God. calling me. So all right, you man. know what I'm saying. Well, so we got two, but here's the thing. Here's the trick. 
I am the white millennial Ooh. on the show. Now I feel you. I feel you. See, we always push for diversity here on the Ville Radio Show. Matter of fact, yo, listen, it's Pure Radio 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. You know what I'm saying? Just let y'all know who y'all rocking with and where we at. You know what I'm saying? So, listen, we're going to get into it. So, normally we do a recap for y'all and everything else, and we get a whole lot of conversation and before we get into the meat of the show. But this week, we're going to jump straight into it because we have a really, really big topic. Listen, um, an article came out this week. The author of the article is a guy by the name of uh, Sam Eaton. He's a writer, speaker. Um, he's writing a book or whatever. He loves Jesus, loves laughing and everything. But, but he kind of opened this, this, this pen, this kind of open letter, and he's speaking to the church. And he is hitting the, he hits the church with 12 points that he feels that the church is failing in. And so this is a touchy topic because I think people fall on the side of, really um, defending the church, which we're called to do, but sometimes not exercising critical thinking and looking at some of the issues. Um, when I read the article that he wrote, um, which is his title, it says 59% of millennials raised in church, um, in a church have dropped out. And they're, t and they're, they're uh, trying to tell us why. That's the name of the article if you want to look it up on Google or something like that. When I read it, you know, it made my feelings go all over the place. But the fact of the matter is I feel like he's writing it as a person who actually loves the church and wants to see better from the church. There's some of the things in it that may be debatable for people, um, and he's definitely going to step on some toes and feelings in it. But this is a really big conversation. It's a big conversation because I, I don't hear it on the, um, the more visible platforms being discussed all the time. Um, and, um, but, I'm, but I know that it actually is. But I don't know if people really take stock in it and um, like we should or whatever. Some are, some aren't. But we really want to hit it and give it a lot of room today. So we're going to run through the whole show today and just get into it. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, we got black guests in the building, two of them. So it's going to get loud today or whatever. That's a generalization, but I'm black or whatever. Racist. So, yeah. say that was it's going to get loud. It's going to get loud. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Even the black people are saying that. True. All right. So it is what yeah. it is or whatever. And so, But we have some great perspective in the building or whatever because – Shirk Dog is really, really white. You know what I'm saying? He's really, really white. so I'm going to get real quiet on he this He counts thing. for about three white people, like in one, like straight up and down or whatever. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way because I love my white brothers or whatever, but he knows what it is or whatever. He's been in a white culture or whatever, and he can speak on some things. I, I, I think his voice holds a lot of weight on that side. And so it is what it is or whatever. We're going to get into conversation and do it how we do it. Straight hey, go. Hit you, it up. You know what's funny? Well, that's probably about the article itself. I mean, that's probably going to be in the article, but the simple fact that you said um, nobody has really given it much thought about the article itself, much weight, I think that's like one of the main problems that millennials have with a lot of people. Like, I think we can open it up with just that. I know we're going to get yeah. to the article, yeah. but just the simple fact that when I was reading through this that nobody really paid attention to this, yeah. it's just like... Millennials yeah, don't respect that whole game of just, you know, this is what's right, walk, talk, act like this or whatever. It's like... They're more critical thinkers or whatever. Like, you know what I'm well, saying? Well, that's because they lying. It's lying. Hit it. Go ahead, sister. Who, no, who's lying? Everybody who came before. First off, side note, I do need to address this in public. Y'all brought on extra millennials, but Phil is a millennial. Like Barely. We only have. No, 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 no. He is the first of the millennials. He was born. In January, the year millennials started. Exactly. He's the but OG. He likes to he's act the like oldest he millennial like we can find. He's, he throws listen, me off so often with listen, this. Listen, listen. But not talking about him anymore. Um, in general, um, 
the baby bo- the baby boomers, not so much even the Generation X, but baby boomers and probably the older Generation X people, the reason why we ain't trying to hear that do this, do that, do this, the third, and this super, super live your right, live your life perfect is because y'all lying. And by the time we got to be adults, we saw that y'all were lying. Ooh, so instead of tell, teaching the instead of teaching us that what we needed to do was to allow God to to sanctify us as we walk this thing out, they stood up there and was like, "Oh, I don't fight, I don't argue, I don't cuss, smoke a drink, Ooh. and y'all need y'all are sinners and going to hell because y'all do all of those things." Oh but y'all still lying. So so wait wait wait. The lie that you're saying is is. They were they saying were, they did one thing. They were saying that they were, they put themselves on a pedestal, basically, mm. and told us that we needed to attain to get to where they are. Meanwhile, gotcha. they're not where they are. You, you know, I can attest to this being very, very true, because that is the picture of me and my daughter's relationship. Oh, yeah. There was a certain point, and I think I mentioned this before, where I had to come to her. I, I had these rules over, and I said, you better be good, and you better do this. And the fact of the matter is I wasn't being transparent about what I was struggling. And I literally thought I was going to lose my daughter because she had so much grief and anger because she had this thing over her head that she had to jump over. And the fact of the matter is we all fall short and we're sinners, but I wasn't allowing her to be a sinner. And I wasn't being honest about how I needed God's grace and mercy. But when I came to her and repented Mm -hmm. and now we walk hand in hand, she now taps me and go, that you, 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 you tripping right now. Yeah. Like, you really need to repent. And she does it out of love to me, and I can say it to her, and now we help each other. But before, when I was holding that law off her head, over her head and faking it and lying, like mm-hmm. you said, all it was doing was building just this disdain for me. So I just think it's a, like the gift of God that that even happened. But I really think a lot of, like, there's a lot of people that are going to hear what you said. And, then, and, and I think a lot of times the way we respond, older people respond, is they start finding what's wrong with younger people. Mm-hmm. I've heard this conversation all week long. I've heard them talking about the way young people dress, the way they walk, the way they talk. And they talk down to them, never talk to them. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of older people and leaders in the church, they need to learn to actually stop and listen a little bit. Yeah, Hit it, so, Nate. So, yeah, I got two stories. So, there's an older gentleman that um, the second mile partners with. He runs the uh, community garden, so the Metro North Garden. Shout out to Metro North. But um, we having a conversation one day. He knows my position. He knows what I do for a living. And we're talking right outside the office, and uh, he's like, he's giving advice. You know, old head advice. He's giving real good advice. He's in his seventies. And then the last thing he says, I talked to Jonathan about this, but I want to talk to you about this too. So. There's a certain way that you have to dress. Oh, my and Lord. If, Don't get Jay started on this, but I keep was going. Like, I'll holler at you, Mr. Ryan. Uh, <laughs> and then another story, same thing. I'm, I applied to volunteer at Andrew Jackson High School. Shout out to Jackson. Most of my students go to yes, Jackson. Yes, sir. Let's go, baby. And uh, Oh, yeah, I forgot if you're a Jackson alumni. But uh, – I walk in Jackson to meet with one of the APs, assistant principals then, and I'm talking with her, and I'm getting ready to leave, me and, and, and another a volunteer, second mile, and he got a grill in, I got the snapback on, I got the, the joggers on, and he just stares at me, I'm like, hey, how you doing? And he just stares, this is the, the, the principal. Yeah. He just stares at me. So, 
couple months go by, I'm like, yo, why haven't we heard back from Jackson? Like, I thought we were volunteering. Like, they asked us to volunteer. And then um, Ernest hit me up. He's like, yeah, she said they weren't looking for any volunteers. I'm like, really? What's cracking? What's really good? I'm like, come on, son. Come on, son. Yeah. He ain't like the way. And, and it's funny. The next time I saw the AP, she told me, like, he ain't like the way I was dressed. I'm like, this cat's getting shot in your school. And you worry about, like, I'm one of the few people standing between some of these dudes and dumb decisions. And, 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 and listen, they're failing royally. And that's not a criticism. But, like, I've sat with everybody from nonprofits to foster care to the school system. And I went through a street for, like, a year where I was just meeting with everybody. And every conversation started like this. We have no idea how to reach young black males in this city and we are actually losing and the thing is at some point some type of humility has to come in place where it's like yo listen y'all don't like chill out with all that like if, if i can i can hear this because we've been me me and shirt dog and big phil like i literally been screaming about this whole subject about dress and everything else Ooh, it's been a rough week it's been it's been a rough, rough week or whatever mm-hmm. and, and the reason it's been a rough week is because i didn't caught some pastors or whatever who I respect and love coming out of their mouth on some straight craziness about hats, tattoos, this and stuff. Let's, let me let me say this right here. Here we go. When you got, oh boy. Oh boy. when oh you boy. got, oh the, even in the article we're looking at, it says 59% of millennials raised in the church have dropped out. We ain't even getting to the ones that won't come in. Right. But when you when you got, I believe the statistic is somewhere like 3,000 new churches being started a month and then 7,000 closing a month in America? Man, you're going to make a hat a stumbling block for somebody to sit in your church or somebody's outfit? Number one, it's not biblical. It's it's bias. It's perspective. I respect it. My grandmother's an OG. She got a whole closet full of big old hats. On Easter Sunday, you, you feel like you're in a flower garden up in there, yo. You I'm going to borrow one but, this but, Easter. But I love it and I respect it. It's what they do. Nothing about it is biblical, but I respect it. But, yo, it's young cats wear hats. Me. I preach in a hat. People got a problem with me preaching a hat, and I've had people literally say, I'm going to leave because you actually preach in a hat. Here's the thing. I, I go to churches and I'll take off my hat because I know that they don't rock with that and I need to get the word to them. But here's the flip side of it. When you look at this city and you look at the map and you look at the poorest communities, nobody's trying to plant churches over there. And if they are planting churches, they're not on the front line visually of the bigger pastors in the city. And and, and, and when you take all that in the stock, you, you're dealing with people who haven't washed clothes in months because they literally don't have the money. You got people who can't even take a quarter raise on the bus going up or whatever to ride the bus because it'll wreck their whole life. And you want to talk about clothing? Like people ain't got suits. And this is how this is a new generation and they move and they rock different. So it's such foolishness when we have a gospel that removes the iniquities of sinners and you want to put a hat for them to climb over or an outfit or, oh, man, I didn't like that you had gold teeth. All my grandparents got gold teeth in their mouth. (laughs) And they love the Lord. What does but, it have to do with anything? Here's the thing, because I'm going to go back to you saying when you started that part of the conversation, you said not to criticize them. But that's our job to criticize Hello. Them. When you start, our job is to criticize any Christian who condemns a non-believer, period. So I'm criticizing you. 
every pastor, every bishop, every deacon and clergyman out here, if you come to a believing, um, first off, we are Christians. And when y'all were our age, y'all didn't know what to do. Y'all had, men had perms, finger waves, jerry curls. Y'all look foolish to y'all parents, to y'all grandparents. Whole lot of that going on. It's, it's, Whole lot of hairdos that I nonsense. <laughs> like it, it's almost like it's just like I said. They put themselves in these pedestals. First off, millennials are the most educated group of people. Period. Generation. Come on, somebody. Period. Most of y'all started doing this mess with just a whim. Like, well, I think I like the Bible, and I'm gonna go talk to some people about it. Y'all had to figure it out. Y'all had to learn your way through it, and most of y'all still trying to figure it out. Meanwhile. You got a bunch of people down here who are like, oh, well, I actually know what it means. I know what grace and mercy, and I know Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I know that my job is to love. But I decide that I want to put on, well, I'm a girl, and so I don't necessarily have y'all's problems. But if I was a man, and if I want to put on a hat, and I want to go out and talk to somebody, or if I want to wear leggings, I'll say that because I'm a girl. So if I want to wear leggings, and I want to go out, and I want to not even minister to somebody, but I just want to shine the light around the city or two younger women. You going to tell me that you don't want me there because you don't like how tight my pants are? Mm-hmm. But they got on mini skirts and jeans, and they are broken and crying out for help, relief, Jesus. And you tell me that I can't go talk to them or that I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all need, that's y'all problem. No, you're our problem. So I think it's a good time to take a uh, song break. So, Jay, you can bring us in because I actually have questions coming back. Okay, hold on. Before we go to break, because I don't want to lose the connection of this right here. I want to read this really quick. This is actually um, a statement by, um, by Martin Luther, right? Great reformer. Said this. He said, you Christians are powerful. Not that you may make the weak weaker by oppression, but that you may make them powerful by raising them up and defending them. You are wise, not in order to laugh at the foolish and therefore make them more foolish, but that you may undertake to teach them as you yourself would wish to be taught. You are righteous that you may vindicate and pardon the unrighteous, not that you may only condemn, disparage, judge, and punish. I think there's a whole lot inside of that. Like, as Christians and believers, and here's the thing, I don't want anybody to get it twisted. Man, I pray for these pastors in the city. I pray for the bishops, the deacons, and everybody else because it actually grieves my heart because in the middle of this conversation, what's on the flip side of it are people who are not getting to the cross and hearing the gospel. And so our, our purpose in this conversation, and I don't care about it being messy. Maybe some people will pick part, things apart and have issues with it. Work through it. Just work through it. Do what you got to do or whatever and lean into the gospel and find your way through it. But let some of it land on your table. Everybody sitting up here has to let this land on their table. And my concern is about the gospel getting to hurting people. And, um, and so I just want to encourage you with that. It's not our job to make, make a mockery of people who we think are foolish because the way they dress, walk, talk, or look. That has nothing to do with the gospel. We have the power to give the light that we've been given through Jesus Christ, the forgiveness, the mercy, the grace, and, 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 and love and take the long, long walk and long suffering that it takes to see people sometimes come to, um, come to Christ. 
that's sharing and suffering, and it's what we're called to do inside of the word. And so I just want to make that point clear as we go forward because this conversation is going to get racy because people tired of it, tired of it. What's up, buddy? Where we going, man? Where we at? I'm sorry, sir. We're supposed to be nah. going to a song, but I, wa I wanted to say just like. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, go ahead. Yeah, what, what do you want to say, bro? I know we're supposed to be going to a song, but I mean, it's just like uh, Shan was saying earlier. You know, you when, she came, when she came in, she was like, y'all was lying. All right? Uh. And how she put it out there. And like you said, people are going to have a problem with how they dress or how they do. But they also going to have, like, a problem with just pretty much how she said it. Because what they also have done is they believe the lie that we're supposed to put sugar all around certain things. Especially when it's dealing with somebody's life and when you're dealing with uh, somebody's soul. And that's just not how Jesus did things. Jesus, when he came in the building, he was coming in the building on some real, like, revolutionary talk. They was like, who is this guy coming in here talking like that? Who, who is the guy that say, yo, uh, uh, Lord, your mama and father out there. He's like, listen. That's not my concern. That's not my, my mother and father is what I'm doing right here. <laughs> this is, this is who, this is the work. Like, he was always saying stuff that leave you like. Wow, like yeah. who he think he is like talking like that. Yeah. And that's the biggest problem. They gonna have a major problem with how she just said when she came out, she was like, Y'all was lying. No, but they rather somebody say they rather it be said, you know, I think there was They would rather me to say, Well, maybe they were just a little misguided and you know, they didn't really know. They were trying yeah. to work out their salvation too. No, because now y'all are up there. Yeah. And y'all kept that going. So once you know better yeah. and you continue to perpetuate the lie, you're lying. And yeah. that's what all that is. When we come back, one of the things I want to hit on is I want to, because now we're, you know what I'm saying, as a pastor myself, man, I see this or whatever, and it scares me sometimes. Because some of these pastors I respect so much, especially their theology, their preaching, their wisdom and everything else. But then I see this thing that makes me kind of leery of them. And, and so I have to protect my heart. You know what I'm saying? Shirk Dog, too. Phil is worship leader. All of us who actually are out here doing what we do. Um, so I want to talk about it when we come back. Like, what are some of the things that we feel maybe went wrong along the way or that we should be looking at? But we're going to get to a song. Neat. Yo, you just dropped some new heat. Mm. You know what I'm saying? What Fire. You, you tell you, what song you want to drop? Um, that's a good question. Drop uh, your song. You uh, already know. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, I got a new song called Kingdom Come. I'm um, working on an album. Um, hopefully, I'll be done with it this year. Most def. Look, you see, you, you hear the humility. Yeah, I was about to say, he need a hype man. We Give some of that to Phil. Kingdom Come! My new single out is called Kingdom Come, and I want y'all to play it in y'all yeah. iPads and y'all iPhones. Yes. You got to be know, hype. And don't stream. Please that's, buy. That's, you know, that's real money. humility because Neek spits that heat, man. Listen, <laughs> we're going to get to that song right now. This is Pure Radio 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. You're now rocking with the Ville Radio Show. Um, hang tough. We're coming right back. New kids on the block. Hang tough. Records. Anyway, something like that. Let's go. Rock the song, DJ. Yeah, they tried to take out the church. Well, look at us now, 2,000 years later, with millions in love with the Savior. I guess it ain't work. The Pharisees thought we would die. Roman Empire thought we would die. The temple is gone. The Caesar is gone. The Lord's on the throne. The church is alive. Church is alive. 
Somebody let the wolves in the pasture Threw the shepherd on the cross and the whole flock scattered They thought it was the end of the story But that was only the end of the chapter He slayed in the grave on a Friday Was out of the grave a lot three days after And that was the inauguration From every nation the flock will be gathered Two millennia later And our numbers are greater From China to Latin America Billions are trusting the Savior And the gospel is still going forward Cause we put that rubber to pavement And you can tell ISIS to read the age the Romans, boy, nothing can fade us, nothing can fade us. Who can stop the witness? Who can stop the mission? What is opposition? God, your will be done. Man, my God is risen. Man, I got forgiveness. Christ is our redemption. Watch his kingdom come. And I believe the son, that he will renew the earth. Revelation 21. Now watch the Lord do his work. And he's doing it through his church. We were part of the story. None of his fiction. He authored the story. I was in sin. He was offered it for me. Many will come up against us, but we will endure. Jesus got him the cross to assure me the kingdom is here. The kingdom is coming. It's over his glory. It's all for your glory. Every day my enemies want to break us down. But they never overcame. We still around. The Lord gonna build his church. The gates of hell won't stand against us. So we hit the streets and scream. The Lord is risen while we pray. Your kingdom come. They say the world is post religion. I say that Christ the Lord is risen. Do you want to know how I know this is true? Would the apostles be willing to die in his name if he didn't? They rose up against him, threw him in prison, but they wouldn't shy away from being Christian. They'd rather keep the faith in persecution, cause nothing can take away from what they witnessed. They saw the risen Christ when he ascended, proving his power over crucifixion. How could they not obey the Great Commission? And I feel the same, anybody can get it. We we try to keep him a secret like a password. Too many don't want to tell him like a bad word. But just so you know, just so you know, I'ma give you the gospel in the last verse. And that's Jesus came, he was slain, paid my debt, keep the change. Three days he was raised. Believe the same, I see the flame. This is the kingdom and Jesus reign. Every day my enemies wanna break us down, but they never overcame. We still around. The Lord gon' build His church. The gates of hell won't stand against us. So we hit the streets and scream, The Lord is risen. While we pray, Your kingdom come. 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 Church is alive. That's what it is. Yo, we now back. This is the Ville Radio Show. We on Pure Radio 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. That was my homie, Neek Smith, man. You know what I'm saying? You know what it is. That boy killed that thing. Real hip hop. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Come on, now. That's what I'm talking about. Watch that boy, Phil. You know he's an artist, too. He mess around and steal your whole melody and take your hook and all that. (laughs) 
He likes the song too much, man. I'm telling you. Hey, so listen, if you were just getting back with us, we are talking about a uh, article that came out that is talking about how many millennials raised in the church have dropped out of the church. Um, and we've just been getting into, like, we got some millennial guests in the building with us. You know what I'm saying? We got Miss Daisy up in the building. We got my man, Nick Smith, or whatever. And then you got all of us or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And so, Jay, um, you're a Gen Xer. Just yo, bro, know. why did you have to say that on the air, right? I'm trying <laughs> to We have four millennials and one Gen Xer. Yo, listen. All right. I'm Gen X, whatever, but my swag is my swag brand new, yo. I'm telling you. Your swag is pre-millennial. Swag game is crazy, though, all right? Like, it's really, really ridiculous, for real. So, you know how I go. Um, You know what? I want to jump back into it with this right here or whatever. So, earlier I was talking about the writer of this uh, article, Sam Eaton, and he starts it off like this. Just to let, if you just tuned in, this will bring you up to speed with where we're at. He says, I want to send global skywriting airplanes telling the life change that happened beneath the, beneath the steeple. I want to install a police microphone on the top of my car and cruise the streets, streets screaming to the masses about the magical utopian community of believers waiting for them just down the street. And then he says, I desperately want to feel this way about the church, but I don't, not even a little bit. In fact, like much of my generation, I feel the complete opposite. That's what he says. You know, like I said earlier, man, I don't want to bash the church because I love the church. And I've actually dedicated my life to being a pastor and taking the calling of leading the church and shepherding the church. um, And as well as Shirk Dog as well. And and everybody here in some capacity works and serves, serves the church. God is building the church. I don't believe there's something that supposed to be going on outside of that concept. He's building a church where what's going on actually oozes into the street and uh, pursues the mission that he's called us to take the gospel. But that comes out of the church. The church is his bride. He's married to the church. So even when I talk about this right here, I still believe God is going to do something amazing. But I believe one of the ways that we get to amazing is by having some real conversations and not just walking around shouting out cliche phrases or whatever about, you know, about God and glory to God and won't he do it? Yes, he will do it. But he's called us into the work and we need to be real about what's in front of us. Like we are literally in a war. When you have 59% of millennials raised in the church dropping out, you're on the the verge of extinction. It's not going to happen because Jesus Christ is king and God rules and reigns everything. He always has a plan. But there is a point where as leaders, we need to take responsibility for what he has put in our lap. Um, I'm going to read these statistics to you really quick, and then y'all can just jump in and comment on any of this. It says, only two in ten Americans under 30 believe attending a church is important or worthwhile. That's an all-time low. 59% of millennials raised in the church have dropped out. Problem. That's in the church. We ain't even getting the ones who won't come. 35% of millennials have an anti-church stance, believing the church does more harm than good. It says millennials are the least likely age group of anyone to attend church by far. So here's the thing. Here is the thing. I often hear a lot of leaders take up beef against the millennials for these numbers. And I often hear them demonize them or they just use the Bible like, yeah, there's going to be a great falling away. And that is actually true. But I don't often hear them dealing with these numbers with a responsibility that we need to take on and act like, like, like I care for people. I, I care for the people in these numbers that are not coming to the cross. So it's like, 
Let's talk about this, man. Yeah. So first of all, I'm I'm postman. So, uh, yeah. Explain. Give a give a so, small explanation of that. So, I believe that the world at large will become more and more Christianized mm-hmm. over time. Um, to, to put it simply, at least the aspect in which I'm going to address. This conversation right? is good. I think I'm going to go so, not to interrupt. <laughs> so so I, I'll, hear that, I'll hear that from the pulpit, too, um, because my, pa- like my pastor is not, right? So we're a small church. We haven't got, had a whole lot of success in numbers, right? So there has to be some explanation, right? It can't be that, you know, we're just not preaching the gospel um, outside of the four walls. It's, it's, it's got to be, you know, because it's a sign of the times, right? I'm like, nah, nah. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> like, what? Not. So with me, it's, I think the Bible uh, promises success, right? The, 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 the harvest is plentiful is what Jesus said, but the, the workers are few. So that's, that's one thing. Um, another thing, I, I think a lot of like millennials anti-church stance is because a lot, a lot of, and this, this is in the fault of the church mostly, but like you'll, you'll hear associations with Christianity, with American nationalism. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yes. especially being a Presbyterian, right. I'm in, I'm in a white denomination in a white church with a baby boomer for a pastor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> I'm a minority within a minority. Yeah. Um, so, like, that's that's what I get a lot of, you know, is, you know, the Constitution is right up there with the Bible. Yeah. So, it's not, oh, you know, wow. we can't talk about uh, loving the, the, the sojourner, which, yeah. you know, is a synonym for immigrant. You know, we can't. Without it being politicized, right? We can't talk about um, poverty or racial disparities. Like you know, that's that's what I do for a living. I work in Brentwood, which is the poorest neighborhood in Jacksonville. Yeah. It's the highest HIV/AIDS rate in Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah. Highest child malnutrition rate in Jacksonville. Yeah. Um. So like we we can't discuss those things without politicizing them. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And that that puts a. Uh, a nasty taste in in millennials' mouths, like yes. it's, it's, like even me as a believer, right? For seven years, right? I've been a Presbyterian like my whole Christian life. Yeah. So, like looking at that, like what do we what do what do unbelievers what are they gonna fight nationalism with as far as the Christianity is concerned? They're gonna fight it with nationalism. So you see, like all of the, that's like I. So these black movements have been around for decades, right? You you see the the black uh, nationalist movements and like the Black Panther and all that, but like you see the rise in them now because I think the political climate, right? You see, we have Donald Trump as our president, bro. Like <laughs> he's really our president. <laughs> like, you Much s- to the yeah. fault of Christian people. Yes. So, right, eighty percent of white evangelicals. That's so I don't know what that means, but I don't know what that means. Uh, voted for like you know. Like I can't believe that all these people are Christian, but well, eighty percent of white evangelicals voted for Trump, right? So, well, here's what I'll say: as far as what Jay said, as far as people being able to take up responsibility, I have. Ooh, okay, yeah, I'm 27. I have to think about it sometimes. I'm 27. 
And throughout my life, I have heard um, my elders, people who I looked up, look up to in church, and they'll say things like, oh, well, y'all don't like to go to church, and y'all don't like to do this, and y'all don't like to do that. And my response to them is, whose fault is that? Because we don't raise ourselves. So I feel like, especially in black church, because I do feel like a lot of this comes down to a black church thing. Um, we, our grandparents, great-grandparents, they drugged, the, they drugged their children to church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't have options. And all my friends and family know I don't understand babies with options. So I really don't. I don't understand how you don't pay a bill and you get a choice. But I'll feed you and I'll give you clothes and I, yeah, I don't understand. So they were drugged to church to, to, to a benefit to, to an extent because, yes, you drugged me to church, but now I have this foundation. I have this knowledge. So the next generation came along and they drugged their children to church. They did their job. They didn't spare the rod. They took their children to church. They made sure those children got education. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing then. The next generation, they were handed everything. So now you come up to what our parents. Well, our parents. Uh, our, generation, our X parents generation X. Now, they were given more than the previous generations. They had more options. But they also came into a time where their parents were, it was kind of wild. You know, the 60s, the 50s, the 70s, it was a lot going on in those time frames. Mm-hmm. That is where the breakdown of a lot of black families started. So now you have a generation who didn't really force their children to go to church. They still had to make, they made sure their children went to school, but they made sure sure their children played sports and did all these things, but they didn't force them to go to church. Not like they used to, not like they used to. My mother, on the other hand, I was in church Sundays, Wednesdays, Tuesdays for step practice and anything that had to do with church. I was never punished by that stuff. Like I can't watch TV, but you going to church and you're going to sing in the choir and you're going to do whatever where a lot of people didn't get that. They started falling off. So now you have a generation, us, who a lot of us weren't forced to go to church. And also, our parents weren't living what church was saying. So now we're all confused because we're like, well, they oh, said buddy. they said that Jesus is this way. but And at church, you shouting and you bucking. But at home, you, you, you mean, you, you nasty, like you, you cussing and smoking and drinking and and I got a million uncles. That is not my story. But oh my, that is a not my story. Uncles. But you got a million uncles. And then you want these children, us, you want us to go to church and say, oh, yeah, this is all right. This is all good and this is all right. No, it's not right because this does not make sense. This is not what I saw growing up. Mm. So you have to take responsibility. Just like I would have to take responsibility for the generation coming up after me. Mm. I w- I'm going to be the person who helps raise those children. So I will start the process over again and say, oh, no, everybody in my house goes to church unless you pay a bill. And since you can't work, you can't pay a bill. You, you don't have those options. Mm-hmm. So you had a breakdown, and now I will switch over to a leadership type of deal. You had a breakdown in black families. So you have a bunch of fatherless people trying to teach another group of fatherless people. And so now we all have these daddy problems that we're trying to work out through the people above us and they don't know what they're doing. They they don't know what they're doing. Whereas in a lot of white churches, not to say that there aren't family breakdowns in white society, whatever. There are, but 
and I told this to Phil one day um, in reference to my nephew Christopher. I said, it's very simple. Christopher's my son, by Christopher the way. Scooter. Is, <laughs> shout Yo, out to Scooter. Scooter. Um, <laughs> Christopher, as a man, as a, as a grown man, you have a son. You're, you go out and you cut your grass, right? As the father, you have a home. You go out, you cut your grass. Well, I'm lying. I pay for somebody too. Well, listen. Well, that's another problem. I do too. Well, (laughs) but in in you know in the 90s, let's say, um, you as a father, you have a son. You go out, you cut your grass, and your son is there with you. And at about seven, eight, they get a little taller. You let them cut it with you. Yeah. So they start off watching you. Yeah. And then you you're like, hey, come on, let me help me cut the grass. And so they just think it's fun because it's daddy and son time. They're cutting the grass with you now. And so by the time they hit 10, you flip it on them. You're like, hey, no, we're going to cut the grass together, but here's your lawnmower. You cut the back, I'll cut the front. So they're watching the process, and then they're doing it with you together. Yeah. By the time they're 12, 13, you are in the house watching football, and they are outside cutting the grass on their own. Yeah. And you go out there, and you check it, and if it's not right, you be like, hey, you can't go yet because the grass ain't right. Yeah. But you're, you go back inside while they fix it. Yeah. That is how the church should be ran. It, it is, and that's where the break in comes, breakdown comes. You have fatherless people who never knew what transition was, who never saw teaching side by side, mm. learning side by side, yeah. never, had a, had never had a moment where they could say, but daddy, it, maybe if we went around the tree this way, it would cut better. Yeah. They never had that type of dialogue, yeah, but they're good. trying to give it to yeah. somebody. And yeah. you don't know how that works. Yeah. So it's so hard for you to just say, here, younger person, here, do this. And as a matter of fact, let me raise you up. Let me see the potential inside of you when you're small. Let me go ahead and do that out. Let me go ahead and reach that. Let me see where you can, where I can cultivate you there. And let me do it with you. Do it with me. Watch me. Then do it with me. Then let me just check in. And then let me let you go. Yeah, yeah. They're not doing that. And that's where it comes down to responsibility. We all, we all know. We, a lot of us have the, the daddy issue. But you can't, you can't fix your daddy issue with somebody else who got daddy issues. Yeah. But, yeah. but nobody's pointing us to God. Like, don't come to me and be like, hey, you're, you're my son now. And I'm going to take care of you because you're my son. That's not going to fix nothing inside of your heart. They're just going to be trying to put a patch over it. Meanwhile, what they should be doing is, hey, um, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, I want you to watch me, watch how I move. And then I'm going to let you learn from me, and then I'm going to let you do it while I teach you how to get your fulfillment out of God. Yeah. But you're not doing that. You want him to take his hat off. Yeah. You want to put some slacks on. Yeah. You want to put on a button-down dress shirt. Yeah. And that ain't him. Yeah. Your son ain't you. Straight up. Straight He's not going to do it. Yeah. So, so, I, I will, this, so this is a dope aspect of, of my church, right? So, one, every member of my church is married. So, and that's, that's wow. like, a, that's something I never seen before. Like, so let the people know, like, for those that, because we are going live right now as well, and we on Pure Radio 102.7 FM, this is the Bill Radio Show. Bum, let bum. people know when it comes to your church, where you actually yeah. uh, attend. Yeah, so I'm at Sun Life Church, so Sun Life Church, uh, ARP, so Associate Reformed Presbyterian. Yo, Nick, before you speak, can I say this really yeah, quick? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yo, I just want to give both of y'all really props, because 
one of the things I think that's significant about this conversation is that we're not talking from the cheap seats. Both of y'all are at churches committed. Oh, so yeah. you're not you're not standing outside yeah. of the church throwing rocks in it. Yeah. And, no. and and this is what I find to be a problem with this conversation. So many people the, the church is a mess. When it talks about when he talks about um, the church in Ephesians four, it talks about Christ mm. sanctifying the church, yes. mm. which means he's he's already aware yes. that it's a mess. That is a mess. He also says for a husband your job, you're called into this sanctification process of your wife, which means he's where we should be aware our wife, wife is a sinner. I'm, what I'm saying about that is this right here. A lot of people stand outside the church yeah. and throw these rocks. They leave mm. and then they throw the and, rocks. And, and, and I get it and I get why and we're here to discuss why. But, and I used to be that person outside of it, mad disgruntled. Mm. But then when I had to look in the word at God's affection for the church and his mm. commitment to it and how I was warring against yep. his process to build yeah, the yeah, church, yeah. you, we're, we're having this conversation from at the table in the church. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we ain't throwing rocks from outside. We're on the inside talking about it, yeah, not running yeah. away because we care for the yeah, church. Yeah. And as a pastor, I'm having this conversation, but Ms. Daisy, I'm listening to you. For my own heart, because mm. I'm not outside of these errors we're talking about. Mm -hmm. and, and and it takes humility to listen, digest it, receive it, and, and whatever it is or whatever. Like, I feel like, you know, people listening, yo, God will let you know what bones to spit out and what to chew oh, on yeah. in it. But prepare your heart just to receive, because y'all are speaking, like, like, what you're saying is consistent with what's in, in this article. And what a lot of people are saying. And if we're going to care for the church, we need to take this thing heavy. Right. But I just wanted to salute you for that. Bro, you inside of, a, in, in the PCA, you know what I'm saying? You with Presbyterians or whatever. Huh? Not PCA. AARP. Oh, AARP. All right, yeah. that's, I got that insurance, brother. But, <laughs> no, no, but, but, like, but like seriously, you are a minority within a minority. And I've seen you walk through the grievous process Bro. of even racial tensions and issues. And you, and you haven't ran. Bro, that's only the power of God can do that because you 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 are very black cultured. Yeah. Yeah. You, like like how I'm dressed right now, like you see me right now, like I got on my second mile t shirt and I got like y'all can't see me, but I got a Tupac hat on. Like it, it literally I has Tupac. It. Like I wear this to church. Well, yeah, and, and, and you but you are not running, bro. That yeah. is a brave way for us to grab these conversations. And have it face to face, yeah. and you're not you're, you're not just you're not even just doing it in a, in a in a black context. You're having a conversation in a diverse context yeah. with our white Christians, brothers and sisters, because that's another element in this too. Yeah. How how the racism? We'll get Ooh. back to that, but yes. you need, I, I interrupt yeah, you, bro. Yeah. But I want to get yeah, yeah. You, I want to salute y'all for being in it. Thank you know what I mean? Appreciate that. But, but yeah, um, but like I was saying, like all the members of my church are married, right? So I'm from, I'm from a small town of five thousand in, in South Carolina. Like there are almost as many students at the high school I went to in Jacksonville, but most of the people in my in the church I grew up in were non-married or married and divorced women, mm. right? So that like I, I I never had a, a healthy I never had an example of a healthy marriage like not even with my father when I moved to, to Jacksonville. So shout out to my father I, I love my father very much. He's the reason I'm a believer today. He made sure I was in church every Sunday, every Come Thursday. On. Come on. Um, but uh, when I moved down, uh, I never saw one argument, never saw one disagreement with my stepmom, right? My pops is on marriage number three now. This was marriage number two. Yeah. So I'm just thinking, like, what the heck happened, right? Like, I thought they were perfect. I thought they were good, right? And 
And when I, you know, once I, I finally get saved and I, I'm at Sun Life Church, and I, you know, this is early on, and my pastor wasn't, you know, bivocational at the time. He is now. But uh, I spent a lot of time at his house. So I saw the disagreements, and I saw the making up, and I saw all of these things. And not just with him, but, you know, with the worship leader at my church, who's his son-in-law. And, and I saw all of that stuff, and I'm like, yo, why is nobody doing this, like, for real, for real? Like, that was a cover-up, bruh. Like, yeah. that was seriously a cover-up. Like, yeah. the pastor of the church I grew up in, like, he got divorced, and I didn't even know about it. Wow. Like, my grandmother, she hasn't been back to church because of this. Because he told her that you can't, you because you were married and you divorced, you can't get married, married again. Mm. Right? He told her this. Right? I'm like, that was a cover, that, that was a cover up between generations. Like, it, it was taboo for people to see what goes on behind closed doors. And I, yeah, think, that goes, I think that goes back Ooh, to so far back. what me and Jay was talking about yesterday. And we was having this conversation. And even what he was just saying about the care of the church. And I know y'all can't see me, but I'm talking. Uh, but uh, we, um, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it really, like, it's so easy and it's so safe to to hear this lingo. Like, so y'all tell me what y'all think when y'all hear this, when I say these things. Well, you know, God got it in control and he's going to take care of it. Whatever happens, it's going to happen. And he, he, you just got to understand that he's in control and we just trust in his hand. And, you know, <laughs> you it's just, like, yeah. it, and listen, <laughs> at the surface, it's nothing wrong with those comments. No. Like, it's nothing wrong with those comments at the surface. Yeah. I think we have used those comments, though, as a safe haven and as a excuse not to deal with the details yep. of the church, yes. to deal with the things that are destroying families, taking lives of our young people, yep. and dealing with millennials leaving the church. When you got 59% of millennials leaving the church. Churched millennials. Like. Church millennials. This is not right. those that are outside. These are that were there and they're making an exit. Raised in church and Raised we out. Raised in church and now they're leaving out. And, I, and I'll say this to that because I am a millennial who was raised in church. Um, I don't really have any memories beyond church. Um, I will say that there are so many, as, as much damage as can be done in a yeah. church, I got all of my foundation from church. Yeah. So I didn't grow up knowing and I'd spent most of my late high school, even till I was probably like 23 or whatever, I spent most of my time doing all of my sin between the ages of 15 and 23. And I stayed at church. I never left the church. Like, I was just like, I just go back to church on Sunday and cried out. Like, yeah. well, Jesus, I'm just so sorry. But when it, so I don't, I don't know if I have, if I can account that to just church. Or the quality of churches that people went to. Yeah. Um, All because, of that's in it. Because yeah. I know that I knew that the reason for Jesus was because I was gonna sin. Absolutely. It was because of my sin. Like he knew I sinned before I did it. He died anyway. So I'm like, well, I mean, he knew I was gonna do it, so I'm just gonna go back to church and try again next week. Yeah. Um, and even at and I will say that I will go as far as to say that is the best approach to, to life. That, that's the gospel. That, like, I mean, that is the best approach to life. But you cover it up with statements like, oh, God is in control. But, hey, just tell me you don't feel like praying for me right now. 
Yeah. Or just tell That's me. Or just say, just tell me. I'm only going to pray for you. Yeah. And stay isolated Right. And over now, here. I did have, I, I had those experiences. Well, I didn't necessarily have those particular words of experience. But I would have, because I, I was very private. So whenever I let somebody in, they would be like, I knew it was something back there behind you, behind them eyes. You're just so mysterious. I was like, well, I just don't feel like I got to tell everybody my business. Yeah. But that in itself is a cover-up. Yeah. And you don't allow yourself, and church doesn't allow you to be able to go in there and be free enough to say, I just need to tell somebody what I did last week. Or I just need to tell somebody what I did yesterday and then have them effectively help me. Don't come to me, tell me how wrong I am, how dirty I am, how despicable of a person I am, and then leave. Yeah. And then you just go, like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do now? We seriously don't know what to do with gay people. because no because again it's like there was a cover up like it's taboo to talk about oh like I've had same sex attraction like for my entire life and like my sister like just came out as gay uh, two years ago she she just came out as gay I had no idea my grandmother supposedly knew the whole time Uh, but for real so like we we seriously don't know what to do with gay people. Like you can you can see it too. Like you can see it in our, how we politicize yeah. uh, homosexuality. You can see it in how we act towards uh, the gay community. Yeah. Like you you can see like the pushback. Like we because everybody's afraid to well, to to bear themselves. Right. Well, well, that's the problem in itself. You're trying to figure out what to do with them. Yeah. The Bible tells you what to do with them. Love, Love them. them. Right? Yes. That's right? it. That's but, it. But Don't try to do nothing extra. One of the things where we've drifted off, and I feel like is a common denominator in much of what y'all are saying, like that lie that we're talking about yes. is is mm-hmm. is a doctrine issue concerning the gospel. Yes. So what has what has blocked up the flow and power of God so much is the fact that even even in churches sometimes that that preach a gospel that says we are saved by 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 grace and mercy and the gift of God and not of ourselves some churches say this with their their mouth but it doesn't run their culture no, and so not. i was just me and my daughter were talking about this the other day i thought it was amazing one sunday in our church when a young lady that goes here who's been in a uh, um, homosexual relationship for like 11 years and she, she, she'll say it out loud. I'm not trying to get married to a man. I have no attraction to, to a man. But she's like, but I believe that being homosexual is a sin and I'm turning my life towards Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And there's people in our church who are still in the middle of this and figuring it out. And, 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 and we love them to death. But I remember one Sunday she grabbed the microphone and she said, I sinned this week and I slept with another lady this week. And she busted in tears crying. And then she said it, confessed it to the church, and then she went out the door. And, and then I went outside the door and I said, what are you doing out here? And she was like, oh, I thought y'all were going to kick me out of the church. And, like, I was like, nah. Like, yo, like, number one, if the men would speak up and say how right. many of us are looking Woo! at porn, right. yes, like, the Come whole on. church, yeah. the, the whole building to blow Come up. On. So it's like. We, we keep we making this other capacity for, because here's the thing. Some people go, oh, my gosh, y'all believe homosexuality is sin? Homie, we believe heterosexual um, sex outside of marriage is sin. So if you want to make us crazy, make us all the way crazy. Absolutely. Like, this is what we believe the Bible is saying. It doesn't mean that we don't love people. 
You understand what I'm saying? When I had my store downtown, yo, the gay dudes used to come get me Word. to come step to the cats downtown that was going to beat them up. They knew I was a Christian. They knew I was what I believed, but they knew I loved them. So I'd be outside like, yo, if you touch this kid and don't let him get on the bus, then we're going to be out here rumbling. Yeah. So there's a yeah. way that we can have these conversations <laughs> and be real about what yeah. we believe that God is saying, but still lavish people with love. Yeah. And we also need to be honest when we're homophobic. I am yes. sometimes homophobic, and I hate that that's in me because it says that I think I'm better, and I need to repent of it. So it's something I have to practice and repent. Word. So when we talk about these lies, yeah. they're very much rooted in our, in our, in our misconception thing. of the gospel. Word. Because if you're going to go law-based mm -hmm. and, and not being saved by the gift of God— yep. Now yeah, you have I'll to live a, use a control tactic to run the culture of there your church and that makes people meet the law. Sorry, y'all. A lot of what we go through is the root of the sin that was in us and not being just open about it. Like like you said, if it, but for every 10 dudes, for every 10 of my homeboys, I know at least seven or eight of them may struggle with pornography. Most now you think about statistically that. it's like, not statistically yeah. like like but so like so you think about something like that and then we the, this taboo thing that we find a way to make that okay right but but yeah. even if we don't find a way really doing it. but even if we don't find a way to make it okay we it, we closet it and then we would closet it and then what happens is we closet it and our kids break they coming out of the closet with it. They coming out and say, I got this. I found this in my daddy's closet. I found this in my daddy's drawer. I found this tape. I went on my daddy's phone. All the above. And they letting it be heard because now their voice about sexuality is different than ours. When you had the dude coming up when I was in middle school in the neighborhood, you had the one little gay guy. Everybody knew he was the one gay yeah, guy, yeah. and you just say, leave him alone, we ain't gonna do nothing with him, we ain't gonna say nothing, yeah. nobody says nothing to him, and, or you go in church, you got, that's, that, we gonna talk about it, you got the musician, the choir director, we all know they what's, what's, what's really good with him, but we ain't saying nothing about it, see, the, the, the cause of stuff, yeah, the cause of stuff is a result of what we going through now, yeah. it's a result of your, of your, People of your, of your, of your yeah, it's a result of your, your, your biggest selling artist, Almost uh, be, being uh, out and don't care about <laughs> telling people about their same sexual sex, their same sexuality. Like, and my thing is, these this thing we say about being a light to the world or being a light, being a light to each other is is also a wonderful thing. It ain't about being a light, Jesus. I'm let shining. It's about that I could bring my sin to the light, yes. and I can have somebody to say, man, you know what? I needed to get this monkey off my back. Bro. Yes, because you hitting it, Phil, because the word says if you say you are not a sinner, you are a liar. Yes, sir. But hey, if liar. you come into the light with your sin, my son, Jesus, his blood will wash away your sins. And so it is killing us to walk around hiding in the darkness and then trying to take on this idea that we are the good people. Yep. It's not like... That we're lavish with the title of righteousness out of mercy and grace. It's not something we've earned, and we're still not even earning it on the back end. Nope. We're falling miserably, and that's a message that the church needs to hear today. Listen, I'm telling you, like these young millennials right now, one of the things they, the reason they just, they like forget all this, because they like, yo, I can't meet this fake standard right. that we oh, put in front of them. That and gospel says, Jesus says, exactly. You ain't got to have this standard. I know you don't got the standard. I died because you can't beat the standard. 
You were just listening to the VO Radio Show. It's your boy, Big Phil. As you can see, we kind of went over in time. But we got part two coming next week. Y'all make sure y'all tune in. While millennials are leaving the church right here on Pure Radio 103.7 FM. Yes!